Entertaining requires thoughtful planning with your guests' comfort and pleasure in mind. Yet it should be fun and enjoyable for the host, too. We discuss entertaining and the book, Classical Shindig. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Michael Harrell and Quinn Peeper. They are entertainers extraordinaire. Michael is a lawyer who owns a legal search firm, a pianist and writer, an outstanding cook. Quinn is a physician pianist, chairman of the English Speaking Union, and British Honorary Consul to New Orleans. Their new book, Classical Shindig, has just been published. Welcome, Michael, Quinn. Thank you. How are you today? I'm just fine. I wanted to tell you how much I really enjoyed just even looking at the pictures in your book. It was just terrific. I've read it too, but I started out by just going through and flipping at the pictures. They're just beautiful. It's a lovely, lovely book. So it asks, it asks the question to me, when did you start entertaining? When did you do that? And how did you develop your own style? Okay, Quinn was really early on. I'm going to let him answer that because I, okay. I came later. <laughs> well, I grew up in a family in, in Tennessee and we had chores as children. <laughs> and one of my chores was to set the table, you know, for breakfast. And that was usually set uh, after dinner the night before. And then set the table when I got in from school for dinner. So that part of our book and that part of our life comes quite naturally to me because, you know, I, I from a time I was a kid, am used to picking out placemats and silver and china and putting it up, putting the mix together and making it appealing for uh, people to want to come to the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I, pretty cool. I, yeah. yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I was kind of late to the game because Quinn, Quinn, I know I watch him and he's so good at, at visuals and he's so good at putting a table together and it always looks so good. And I can see that he learned this from his mother who's got great taste when it comes to her, her beautiful tables. And, uh, I was definitely in that household where you go study and stay out of the kitchen and don't bother mom and dad. That's their time. That's their relaxation. And so we would just be called to dinner. So I didn't know anything really about entertaining, but I always liked to watch and I liked to see what she did and how she had people over. And whenever we had guests, they always had fun. My mom was such an entertaining hostess. So I associated that with all things positive, never negative. And then it wasn't until maybe I was in college where we had kitchens in our dorms and we could cook. And I remember calling my mom, what do I do? How do I do any, I've never, I don't know how to cook. I've never, maybe I helped her make brownies or something, but never food. And then she guided me through it, got me on the phone and told me easy things to do. And um, we had so much fun and that just sort of started it for me. That's so funny because that makes me remember 
there was a period of time when I was in university and in medical school. And I would, I too had to call. I called my mother. I called my grandmother. And at one point, my grandmother was in under, you know, the hair dryer. It was her beauty parlor day. And I was like, would you please get out from under the dryer so that <laughs> you can tell me and I can understand how to make this dish? <laughs> Well, so did your parents have people over for dinner? Did they um, have cocktail parties? Uh, how did your families entertain? My parents, we we did. We entertained at home a lot. I mean, this, you know, I grew up, I was born in 1960. And at that time, at least in the Mid-South, and the Mid-South I grew up in is Memphis, Tennessee and Osceola, Arkansas, Going out was a real rare occurrence, going out to dinner. So most people had other people over. I think it was cheaper. It was really a luxury to go out to dinner. It was a special occasion. Usually we dined and entertained at home and we were, so it became a, a tradition and a custom. It was not anything to get stressed out about, which I think unfortunately today, uh, people are, are more prone to to get stressed out because they just don't do it that often. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's true. I think people do worry about it a whole lot. And if you grew up having it happen around you, you're much more going with it as the flow of it happens, knowing that this might not work or it might work, but it will be a little different than you thought because something, you know, the phone rang or something happened like that. Yeah. So I think about, you know, entertaining, I like to call them the three P's you know, the preparation, that's, that's so important. And sometimes the preparation actually ends up being funner than the actual party. <laughs> yeah. I know plenty of people who say, I have more fun picking out what I'm going to wear than when I get to the party. But the preparation is critical. And I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. So I could have a delivery, you know, two hours before a party or not be there at the beginning. So the table is definitely set at our house two days beforehand so that if I am on an emergency, you know, the party can go on. Mm -hmm. So there's the preparation that's important. And then the actual party itself, and you got to be prepared for the unexpected. You have to be flexible. You know, you need a backup plan. If some dish just uh, completely flops, you know, it can be Popeye's chicken. And if it's pretty on your old Paris or your Bernardo porcelain, then people still have a good time. Right. And then the final P is the, I call it the postmortem. And sometimes that's the funniest part of the whole thing, because you're there with people who've helped you prepare a bartender, or housekeeper. And again, that can be funnier than the whole, the other two P's, but it's important as you're putting things away to kind of reflect and say, well, this kind of went as, as planned. And this was a major, you know, screw up and, and how are we going to change this and make this not happen again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The worst is, oh God, why was that soup so salty? And you think, oh great, I knew it was. What can I do about it now? Right. You know, that but little things that you know you can't worry. You can't, yeah, you can't worry. It's over. It's done. Over. <laughs> I mean, Michael was just telling a story of a dinner party we had one time. We were having so much fun in the uh cocktail time that uh Michael did Michael forgot to cut on the oven. <laughs> deal you know just turn it on 450 or or I, I forgot how it worked out but it it worked it worked yeah yeah I have, have a blowtorch handy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how is it that you think about your guests because obviously you want to entertain and want the people who are who are with you to have a good time and all of that it's not 
about you, it's about them in so many ways. So how do you plan for that? We always choose, uh, we usually have friends who know us pretty well and, and that helps because they're going to come to the kitchen and help me. And, and, and then a lot of times it's fun to introduce new people who've never been to our house or some, or out of town visitors who come and stay with us. We've had people and then we entertain those an out of town guest with generally with people locally in the community who we know they have something in common and we know they'd get along, whether it's personality or it's something that they, if a musician, if we, if we're entertaining a musician, we'll have other music lovers around too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think points of commonality are very important to try to find. And if it is a table of of completely new people, maybe somebody has asked you, could you possibly help me out? But I'm in a pin- I'm in a pinch. Help me host this group. Um, you know, you try to find things to talk about that are going to bring people together, as opposed of things that might surely divide and inflame people so you avoid topics like politics or you know things like that we yeah. we have hearts <laughs> that i made a long time ago and they're just plain old index cards but i've happened i happen to still think phyllis diller is one of the funniest people that i've ever heard and so each card has a different phyllis diller quote and you know you can pass those around and people you know just read them and then reflect on the quote mm-hmm. it just it, those are nice kind of icebreakers that you can use if you have people that, you know, are all new and feeling a little uncomfortable and, t- and, and timid at the table. So have you ever hosted something on behalf of someone else so that it's really not as much under your control as like when you're entertaining in your home? Oh, a few, t- a number of times. We've had people we've never met before and we were asked to entertain them. Remember the ambassador to China from Great Britain, I think, and they yeah. were always successful. I've never, I can't look back on anything that was just awful or boring. Uh-huh. You, it is important. I, I will bring in and invite somebody who I know is really funny or very clever and smart, and that always helps. Sure. Yeah. I, I remember when our children were little, they each had a t-shirt that looked like a tuxedo, and we uh-huh. would drape a napkin over their arms and they could walk around and say what would you like to drink you know and they were little they were like four six years old and then they'd run back and say oh this person wants a whatever they wanted and i never would let them carry it because that would have been disastrous but um, Uh, they could they could take the orders and then go back that was a lot of fun things like that was i thought were the kinds of things that people kind of enjoy too you know I think that's wonderful. And and look at your boys. They're very, very successful people and they're people, people, you know, and I think these kinds of things are best learned, you know, as children. Yeah. Well, so how would you give people advice, especially people just starting to entertain to be able to do it, say on a budget or to be able to do it without everything being as beautiful as the things that you might have? Well, I, I remember so many parties that my parents gave at a time when they were newly married and, you know, I was just a tot, but, you know, you shouldn't feel that you have to have the finest of everything to bring people to the table. And one of my classmates in high school entertained in college and her, her China, she had a different blue and white plate at every setting. She had picked them up at garage sales and thrift shops and different set of uh, silverware at everybody's plate and yet it all married beautifully together i mean the main thing she was relaxed 
she had prepared ahead of time. People really appreciate the effort that you make to entertain at home. Anybody can make a dinner reservation and say, here, I'll pick up the tab. You know, this is all on me. But it's really different and special when you bring people into your home. So I think as long as you make the effort and prepare in advance, it's always going to be a win-win. And I, I, some people like fancy. Some people want to go to a house and have something fancy. They don't want it to just be on their laps or... And I can remember, I'm just remembering this. It's coming to my coming into my mind now. I had just finished law school. I had my first job. I was paying off a car note. I didn't have a lot of money at all. And I remember going to a friend's house and she was around my age and she had a pretty, she was in the working world before I was three or four years. And she served wine in this beautiful crystal glass. And I thought, oh my God, this is so nice. This crystal is beautiful. Damn, I don't have anything like this. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to start doing this. I went to Adler's and paid it off, uh, you know, a monthly installment to buy some just nicer crystal glass for wine. And I still use it. I love that. I love the crystal glass. It's heavy. It feels good. For some reason, wine tastes better in, in nice crystal. I don't know why. Who knows? It just, but I, I watched her. She was around my age. She didn't have any money, much money. And she was just in the working world too. But it just, it seemed just really a cool thing to have nice. Yeah. Wine. I mean, I swear now that we have eBay and Etsy, I think anything is possible, even a replacement for something that you chipped. I mean, mm -hmm. and replacements, that's key. I, and we're big advocates of pulling everything out and using it. I mean, if it's in pristine condition, that might tell you, well, I need to, you know, pull this out a little more often. Use it, use it. Yeah. Especially if you have a grandmother or, or relative who, who knows that you like something pretty and they, they leave it to you. I was lucky in that sense too. I, I think that one of the, the best times is after the party or before the party. I happen to like to polish silver. I think that there's just something very relaxing about it. And mm, uh, so that's one of those things where you're either anticipating something and you're saying, oh, I'm getting prepared. And that, that's kind of nice. But I also like at the end when you're putting everything in order again, because there's this sort of chaos that happens as people are leaving things all over the place and then you put it all back in order. And that also somehow feels very restorative to do that yeah. at the end. You go to sleep feeling relaxed. Now, I don't like to go to sleep knowing there's a kitchen filled with pots and pans. I, we've got to finish it. I don't know. Are you like that? Can you leave it in your kitchen? And I can't. No, I, I like it to be, to be done. Yeah. Well, and I've always <laughs> lived on river cities you know, Osceola, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee, New York, and here. And if you don't put, if you don't put things away, the rats of the river will work their way in and they'll clean up for you. But I just don't think people <laughs> want that kind of cleanup duty. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, that's when Ratatouille comes, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. No. Yeah. I, but there is something very, very nice about that order that you create at the end. I think that it... It is what and um, gives people a lot of anxiety, just the fact that that it's going to be maybe a mess and that they have to clean it up. And that sense of, well, that's a, that part of it is work. They might love to cook. They might like to be with people. But then at the end, you have to actually love to put it back in order. I mean, to me, oh. that's a part of it. It is a part of it, although you can always get a helper and there's nothing wrong with that. And, 
you know, there are college students looking to earn a couple of bucks doing this, that, or the other. We've had college students that came and tended bar. And then, you know, somebody's always needing some extra cash to pay off an unexpected expense, like a car, you know, problem or now an air conditioning problem. So I think you can get, I think you get help and I applaud it. I think you should, I think you should do it. I mean, it really makes, makes life easier if you get some extra hands in the kitchen helping you out. Yeah, that's true. So let's talk a little bit about flowers too. So you have beautiful flowers in your book and how much time do you spend on the flowers themselves and, and that kind of graciousness that flowers lend to a, a home? I remember reading um, a book on Nancy Lancaster, a great hostess who was from Virginia, but she really, she's known for creating the English country style in England because she lived in England. And she always said that fresh flowers and a fire in the fireplace were key ingredients in making people feel warm and comfortable and at home. And so I think it adds a special touch. Now, a few of our secrets as far as flowers are concerned. Um, we do have some artificial flowers. Again, when entertaining, always have your backup plan because <laughs> beautiful. when you go to bed, you may wake up, it could be all dead the morning of the party. Right. But um, one trick is to get some really good quality artificial flowers, and then you can mix those with some real flowers and get a really, really outstanding arrangement. The other thing is we're very fortunate to have a lot of friends who are florists. Our next door neighbor is uh, Dunn and Sonier. So anytime something goes wrong, we can always usually knock over there, provided they're open and they can bail us out. And then Johnny Lopez of Perfect Presentations, he uh, works out at the same place I do. So I see him in the gym and I can say, help, I need, you know, I need, <laughs> I need you to bail me out on this. And one of my oldest friends is a florist. So she's real. And she just reopened oh, yeah. a flower, uh, flower business. She's great. Pam Danger. Yeah. And then what I like to do is because Quinn is much better with flowers. I'm just not, that's just not something I'm, I, I'm okay. If I guess if I have to clip him and put him in a vase, but he just has the right balance, knows what looks good. But what my favorite thing to do is, and I am thrilled about this. I, when we moved into our house in 2013, yeah. I planted banana, ginger, aspidistrus and palms everywhere. And I mean, clip them and put them in a vase and it's fabulous. It looks great. It's, it's wonderful to be able to walk outside clip and just put into a put into a vase we're lucky in new orleans with those tropical plants yes yeah. great they really are lush looking that it's really nice yeah yeah one of the things i i love to do is walk along the highway because i don't live yeah. on the highway and clip things like cattails and yeah. Um, yeah. other yeah. kinds of things that are growing in the ditches along the highway that Perfect. They're really they they're so unusual, and they are almost never in a florist shop where you can add them to your your whatever other things you have. You know. Well, having great. a lot of friends who are florists, I will tell you, they're out there on the highway clipping things too. <laughs> they do all the time. They do. So I think that's a very good resource. And if you don't feel like you can do flowers, you can just go buy some potted plants. Yeah. And put a terrine or something and get you some moss at the florist. Get a bag of moss and just shove it around there. And it looks great. It really does look good. Mm -hmm. I even like like oranges and lemons and things spread along the table. I think that 
always looks really oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Love the I love it, it, particularly when the leaves are still attached, you know. Yeah. That really, really is neat. One year, Quinn did oranges, and he put, as a project, the, oh, you know, you kind of stab them with, with um, clove and make those oh, patterns. love the pomanders, yeah. Yeah, That's I love great. those. I love them for Christmas because they scent the house up so much. And wow. those are easy. You just need an ice pick to get you started with a little hole, and you put the clove in and roll it around in cinnamon, and boom. Yeah. Yeah, good. And then Liz, one year Quinn decided to take fruit and sugar it. You know that beautiful look, sugar coated fruit. And it's a picture in our book. Yeah, and it, it was yeah. gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. What you had to take egg whites and then all this uh, granular sugar all over it. it. It was beautiful. And then by the next day, when I tell you thousands of fruit flies, oh, that's like the fruit fly welcome center. I, I thought I don't know if we can ever do this again. They were. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to Google it. You, you have to find out you put balsamic vinegar in, in containers and cover them and the fruit flies go in and die. And you had I had to learn a lot of ways to kill them. To get rid of them. Yeah. They often have that in, in restaurants too, where they have vinegar in uh, glasses with uh, like saran wrap or something on top to get rid of the fruit flies because it's, right. it's the bane of restaurant existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the other thing that I think is is really an interesting thing is making the party or making your entertaining your own so that, you know, it's not just, oh, I read this in a magazine and, you know, you can read something in a magazine and think it sounds wonderful and want to adopt it because it feels comfortable to you. So it's part of you, but there are trends and things that people do that maybe aren't right for you. How do you decide, okay, I'm just going to be me here and it's going to be what I feel comfortable doing and that feels personal because it's you and and not just the trends? Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. My niece is getting married and uh, we're having a little engagement party for her at our beach house in Past Christiane. And the inspiration from that came because she and I were kind of watching these movies that we would tell each other about and one of them was to catch a thief and another one was high society and they oh. all feature grace kelly and i know it's barbie season these days but i saw this quip this uh, clip from a funny face about think pink for your summer clothes clothes think pink for that kelka shows so this has become a think pink party so we're having everything pink from the hibiscus margaritas to strawberry cake to strawberry pot a raspberry pot de creme. And so that has lent itself to a real fun theme that everybody can participate in. All the guests are going to be wearing pink. So I think, I don't know, watch a movie, look at a magazine, uh, read about a famous hostess and just see what appeals to you and pick it out and make it your theme. And then it's yours. As long as you don't have a lot of expectations, that's what I hate. I feel bad for people who throw parties and they've got everything planned out. And it's supposed to be a certain way and then it doesn't really go the right way and it can be depressing. I mean, you have to, I think, roll with the punches and just see how it goes and not, not have a lot of expectations. We've had some outdoor parties and, you know, everything is going perfectly and then there's a deluge. And I guess you could either cry or laugh. We always end up laughing. And we move it into, you know, into the house or sometimes, you know, in past Christian, there's a yacht club and, you know, they are so accommodating and, you know, they're laughing too. Yeah, come on, bring, bring it all over here. It's fine. And people still have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And they 
we had, remember we had a hurricane and we had the electricity went off and we had neighbors and everyone brought dishes from their freezer uh-huh. because they were so bad. And we said, bring your best. Let's all get together. We had candlelight. It was really fun. Yeah, the electricity was off. We had candlelight. And, you know, our neighbor's kids who are now out of college, out of graduate school, still when they see us talk fondly about having ha- having place cards and everything. <laughs> no, we did it all. Wow, these winds <laughs> and rain are whipping around the house. <laughs> having Christmas duck and dressing that's been in their freezer for nine months or eight months. <laughs> was it all? Yeah, yeah. That's well, yeah, hurricane potluck is really good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the best. It's what you do to get to get rid of all your, and especially if you've saved something really good. Oh yeah. Think, oh, I, this cannot go bad on me. I can't, we've got to we've got to serve it to neighbors. Do Liz, were you ever were you with us on that trip? I know we stayed at Cindy Shaw Stewart's house in Scotland. Do you oh, remember that? I thought I you wasn't, were. I wasn't Liz. there. No. Oh no, shoot! We, I thought you were there. She no. was. She's an incredibly good hostess, and she had a bunch of us over. And we stood up and she had a big cheese platter to, to give to everyone after after dessert. And she stood up and her pants completely fell to her ankles. And then she just laughed and somebody walked up and said, oh, Cindy here, and she, what can you do, right? The host <laughs> with all these strangers around her and her pants were around her ankles and they just fell down and she just laughed it off. So I thought, I'm gonna take and I'm gonna take note on this. Things go wrong. Well, there were three do? three uh, Southern gentlemen who got up and stood in front of her so that she could <laughs> and have probably, a little bit of privacy to pull to pull her skirt or her her trousers back up but you know yeah no she she absolutely nailed it when she started laughing because i think that's that's you know in adversity and in you know the unexpected i think if you laugh it off your friends are really gonna they're gonna laugh too and if if they're not laughing with you then maybe they shouldn't be invited next time right right so i have one more question which i often struggle with during planning for entertaining is organizing especially a, a a dinner organizing how people will sit together where everyone is going to sit do you have any any ideas about that well we were just talking about this because we like to we like to do place name cards place cards uh-huh. name name, yeah, name place cards, cards yeah. and that that settles all of the issues with where do you want us to sit? And yeah, there's this terrible thing that happens when you don't have place cards down that can delay food getting to the table and make it cold. And that is the phenomenon of eight people standing around saying, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? So if you have it all figured out, it's, (laughs) it's just, But how do you figure it out? That to me is the question. Well, we tend to separate the couples. Yeah. Unless someone's insecure, because, you know, I mean, as a couple, you're together all the time anyway. And I do tend to put people who I know are going to laugh together and have like-minded people around each other. And generally, I'll take one one of, of a couple next to me and Quinn takes the other one. Uh-huh. And, and Michael, we, you were uh, really successful the other day with the dinner party. He identified two women that were what their grandmothers were from the same town. Yeah. And they didn't know each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they be- they've become friends. It's really yeah. pretty funny. I put them next to each other on purpose, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is fun to put people together or put people together who don't know each other at all. They're going to hit it off or you hope they do. Sometimes they don't. And then right. that's not fun. And you just, right. yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I'm I'm always reminded of uh, something the Duchess of Windsor used to say, and it's if you basically I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically, if you go to the trouble of having a dinner party, your guests have an obligation to be entertaining, you know, and to be amusing. Yeah, I think they are because they're so appreciative of somebody making the effort, and they can see from the minute they walk in the house. Wow, somebody thought a lot about this. So yeah, the effort. Yeah, I think that's true. I think people do feel that way. I certainly do when I go to someone's home and you see everything that they've done to prepare. You just think this is going to be lovely, number one. And number two, I'm so grateful to to be here and happy to be there. So I think that's that gets instilled in you as you see all the work that has gone into it. I agree. Well, Liz, you were a wonderful guest when we had you over uh, after I made the documentary and the SoFab Museum was a setting for the documentary and you brought your shrimp remoulade, which is a recipe in our book. I know. It's so great. Yeah, that's wonderful. It was very exciting to see that. So tell us where a person can get your book. Oh, there are going to be many ways. Your independent bookstore hopefully will have it because we're all about supporting them. Mm-hmm. And we will have a Shopify site called Classical Shindig, and you can order it from there. And it's been on Amazon as a pre-order item since March, and the official release is August 29th. Oh, that's right around the corner. Yes. <laughs> have you had good pre-sales? Yeah, yeah, I'm shocked. I really am. <laughs> you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. It's really, really terrific. Yeah. We have Every, promoted the hell out of it all over social media. Believe but you me. know, it really, I mean, <laughs> being a doctor and a lawyer writing a book, it's kind of, well, It's as the title says, it's an amateur project. But, you know, some people have even said it's a vanity project. But, you know, you don't know how it's going to work out. But, you know, whether whether we say I'll sell one or you know a thousand, it's it's definitely worth it. We've had a, a wonderful time. It's just opened up all kinds of new doors and horizons to us. So anybody having an inkling of doing it, I would say pursue it. It's been a lot of fun. It is fun. It really and, is. and so are you thinking now of other books now that you have one, this one under your belt? Oh yeah, we have volume two, which would be mm-hmm. about entertaining and past Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and the Think Pink party will be in it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, I particularly loved your book club section. Well, I, oh, I really thanks. liked that a whole lot. And the idea of having a book club that's been together for so long is amazing. <laughs> it's 90s. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So we've read a lot of books. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being here on this podcast on tip of the tongue, everybody. This is a really beautiful book. And so you will not be disappointed if you get it. And do you have any places where you're going to be giving talks or book signings coming up already planned? Bunch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Locally, like in new Orleans, September 12th is at the garden district uh, bookshop. But we, and and also the Faulkner Festival is coming back this year after being uh, dormant during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be in the French Quarter at the Beauregard Kai's house, September 24th, 22nd to 24th. But we've we've gotten some book signings in uh, New Bern, North Carolina, uh, Winter Park, Florida, 
Birmingham, Alabama, where else? Memphis, yeah. Tennessee. We're really, we're really hitting the road. And that's another great thing about writing a book for those of you who haven't. You get to do a tour and and rekindle old friendships, see college friends and stuff. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, we even have, do you know the bookstore in Fairhope, Alabama called Pages? Yes, yes, I, I do. Love that bookstore. And yeah. they created a flyer for it and it said, dress fancy. oh my god this is terrible to make people do this who knows people can wear whatever but it was really funny they created a really wonderful flyer and we're so excited about our signing there that's on the 19th of september yeah i think it's it's fun because people want to participate in the classical shindig uh, ethos and they're they're preparing shindigs so Mm -hmm. they're all going to be fun really fun and I also love in the back all of the sections with the QR codes so that you can follow up and see everything oh, that, uh, that you've, you that you mentioned in the book that's on online. That's it's great. It's funny you say that because people say, what's your book about? And I say, well, okay, it's food, entertaining, tablescapes. And I said, and music. And I, and I thought, well, you can't have music in a book. You can't hear music in a book. But with these QR codes, you can actually take your phone, put it over it, and you can hear us play. Isn't that funny? It is. Yeah. Try it out. Did you try it? See if you. Oh can. yeah, I've already done it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. It worked yeah. for you. I, I. That's why I, I know the QR codes are there. I've been playing oh, a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much, and thank you. Thank um, you. I just can't wait until the shindig, and I just think that it's just a fabulous book. So, thanks so much for writing it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.